Hi, I'm Sammy Shulman. Josh Siegel. I'm Yoni Proust. And I'm Aaron Kirkpatrick. And welcome back to The Floater. Today is, what, August the 3rd of 2020, which means uh, the NBA is back. We're yeah. covering live sports. Who'd have yeah, thought? What do you like know? Basketball. What's that like? Yeah, the Orioles are 5-3. and three. Um, yeah. Aaron Judge sucks. Yeah. What, what do we think was the over-under coming in for how long it would take me to mention the Orioles record? Mm. It was over-under during your name intro. Yeah, really. So I hit the Surprise over. It wasn't, hi, I'm the Orioles are five and three. Hi, I'm Josh Siegel and the Orioles are five and three. Yeah, that was the, yeah. the odds on that were uh, minus 200. I, I was. Yeah, but all right. So the Orioles are five and three and the NBA is back. So let's talk about sports happening. Right, those are the two things happening. I think everything else is pretty irrelevant. Um, As I said to Sammy, the Orioles' bullpen holding the fort for two, now three straight games, is the most surprising thing of 2020. And then I said maybe some other year, but Josh said that that was the point of the joke. I think it still works. It's a good Uh, joke. Good good joke, Josh. Thank you, Aaron. I definitely get it because I've definitely watched all the Orioles games. So, Josh, the Wizards did it. They lost the game they needed to lose. Yep. And now it's basically – it's done. What's I mean, done? what's their record right now? I haven't. We're we, seven. We don't even. Yoni, we don't even have twenty-five wins, and we're in this bubble. It gets ridiculous. They're twenty-four and forty-two, and yeah, we're seven Brooklyn's... games back of the Nets with six to go. We would need to make up three and six games to have a chance. Oh, okay. So that's not happening. Yeah, yeah. and it would have been. I guess I was thinking about it. It would have been an okay, like kind of fun thing to get into the playing game. But to get to the playoffs would have been the bad thing for the franchise, ultimately. Well, Sammy, yeah, you and I – and listen, we're getting some fun moments from Troy Brown, um, which is encouraging. And Thomas Bryant, except Thomas Bryant can't control his goddamn emotions, which makes me yeah. so annoyed. Yeah, but also it, it's basically liability. a team of bench warmers and G-leaguers. The, yeah, yesterday was the Long Island Nets versus the Capital City Go-Go's. Um, but, like, even the Nets had Karis LeVert, a guy who could take over in the final minutes, which the Wizards... We had nobody to go to. Yeah. Though, I I do think that I thought questionable was, I was driving back yesterday from Virginia, listening to the game on the radio, Mm -hmm. and on the serious feed, it was the Nets radio, and they called Joe Harris, Jolton Joe Harris. Jolton? Well, do you know who the first Jolton Joe was? No. Joe Namath. What? Joe DiMaggio. Joe Namath. Oh, I didn't know that. Now, that, the nicknames that I've heard for Joe Harris are, oh, is it Joey Headband? Or, like, Headband Joey or, like, something like that. Does he even wear headbands? I don't think yeah, he does. No, he does. I... He's wearing a headband during the bubble games. Oh, really? Yeah, so that's his new nickname. Let, let's move on from the Wizards because they're pretty irrelevant in the grand scheme of things. Um, How? Okay, that's just not true. It, okay. <laughs> I think Am I, so. Can I take a victory lap for that Bucks game last night? What does that mean? Well, Everything Bucks. I have said about the Bucks happened. Chris Middleton played great. 
He went one for four from three down the final five minutes, missed a clean look for the game. Giannis couldn't respond when the defense got tough, and no one else could provide any offense. You cannot take a victory lap. Uh, I think Josh can. Yeah. You like can do a pretty, half a lap, Josh. I feel like he was maybe, pretty small. Yeah, maybe you could take a victory length, but you could not take a victory lap. No, my, I, my entire argument is that we have not yet seen evidence when the defense tightens up that A, Giannis can score through that, and B, that there's a viable number two option when they need it at the end of a close game. And Chris Middleton missed a very clean look to tie the game from three. And he was missing shots all around in the past couple minutes. In the last five minutes, Giannis, I think, went, what was it, one for two or one for three with only two points and a couple of turnovers. It was sort of like in the All-Star game when the defense tightened up. He just started hot potatoing and no one really responded. It, I, the only encouraging sign is they may have found something on that one possession when he did score. They took Brooke Lopez off of the floor, which opened up the paint. But part of that was that they were able to get him ahead of Steen on an inbounds pass, which they're not going to be able to do as much when they get to the half court. And I just did not see any encouraging sign that anything to change my mind about what I've already felt about the Bucks. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think the end of the game really showed that most of the points that you've made over the past year or two about the Bucks closing minutes have been true. Yeah. Um, and I mean, they were a great team defensively. Um, they were obviously missing Eric Bledsoe, but Listen, it concerns me that Jason Tatum went two of 18 and they only beat them by seven. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Can we call that one of 17? Only one of his baskets counted because he was the closest player to a tip in from the Bucks. Like, that should not count. Two for 18. Two for 18. I mean, maybe you can call. Uh, I don't know. I, mean, I don't know why you would want to. Sw- like, yeah, according to the stats, it's two for 18. I don't think it really matters. Yeah, who, yeah, who he cares? Was, Both of those was, are really bad. Like, who cares? Three points and five points are both terrible. He, he was terrible. He had a great bounce back game. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it looked like he was playing himself back into shape because he wasn't very good during the scrimmage games either. Just like, just like the fact that the Bucks are going to play themselves back into shape, and I'm not worried about them in the slightest. But this isn't playing themselves back into shape because there's never. Yeah, it is. It's finding out. It's finding out what works and what doesn't. And whatever they did yesterday doesn't work. So maybe they take Brook Lopez off the floor. Also, they're never going to face the Rockets. So who cares that the small ball Rockets made 25, whatever it was, threes on them? Like the Bucks Listen, aren't going to have to win Tucker and the James way that they would have had to win last night. That's if the bottom PJ line. If Tucker and James Harden are locking them down at the end of games. That, that worries me. The point is that throughout the game, just like this is how the Rockets work, and that's why I think they have a chance to win a playoff series. If they're hot from three, they'll win the game. If they're not hot from three, they won't. That's the bottom line. So when I look at yesterday's yeah. game, I look at it more from the Rockets' side than the Bucks' side. But I think I thought it was more encouraging for the Rockets than discouraging for the Bucks. That's all I'm saying. I understand what you're saying, Sammy, but I think with Josh and I – well, at least I'll just speak for myself here. What I'm talking about more that worries me about the Bucks is just the last few minutes of the game. I think throughout the game, it, like as you said, if the Rockets are hot from three, they're hot from three, and they'll do really well. But the Bucks need a way to stay in the games and win the game in the last few minutes or like last thirty seconds, which Giannis didn't show he could do. Which happens sometimes. Star- sometimes stars aren't going to pull out a win for your team. They're not going to do it every game. But I think it worries me that Giannis and Chris Milton haven't consistently shown that they can pull out wins. Yeah, and listen, we've seen with the Rockets with two straight games that there isn't much defensive intensity in the first three quarters. 
and this has sort of been a trend throughout the bubble, which is offensively, guys are really talented and healthy, but defensively, guys are still playing themselves back into shape, so we haven't seen really complete defensive intensity for four quarters. Um, we've seen a lot of games where the defense tightens up in the fourth quarter, and once the Rockets' defense tightened up, the Bucks really couldn't find a source of offense. And once they start facing that type of tightened-up defense for longer periods over playoff games, let alone in the most important time of the game, I just – I found myself asking the same question in the last three minutes, which I find myself asking too often when I watch the Bucks, which is just I don't know where the source of scoring is going to come from. Like, I'm asking myself who's going to score the next bucket for them. Because it's not going to be Giannis, it seems like, because he's really hot potatoing the ball. Like, even the fact that he only took, I think, two shots in the last five minutes is indicative of just the lack of comfort he felt in that situation. I don't trust it's going to be Middleton because he's missing important shots. And Brooke Lopez is fine, but he had a little bit of advantage. advantage. So you're telling me that everything until yesterday didn't matter. The fact that Middleton was closing games out, the fact that Giannis was able to do stuff, now one game happens, and now you're like, oh, we're back to this. Like, all season long, Middleton's been playing like a third-team All-NBA caliber player, whether or not he'll make it is yet to be seen. And he's been closing out games against the Wizards, Josh, when you were watching, I know. Middleton had closed out a game where Bradley Beal scored 55. There's no reason for the Bucs to win. Giannis fouled out, and Middleton takes over. That's the final minutes of a game when defensive intensity is at its highest. And so you choose only to look at the negative examples. Guess what? Any player is not going to make every shot that they're supposed to make, just like Yoni was saying. So to look at this one game and say that the Bucks are, are like definitely not going to make the finals just because they don't have the answers, they kind of do have the answers. They just didn't come through last game. Like I'm not looking line. at it as one game because the reality is the defensive intensity in the fourth quarter of a game against the Wizards is nothing close to what it is in the playoffs. And that's the same throughout the regular season. Since last year's conference finals, we have seen – two end-of-game situations with Giannis where the defensive intensity was at a playoff level. We saw it during the All-Star game. Whether you want to make jokes about an All-Star game or not, that fourth quarter was some of the highest level of basketball I've ever seen. And we saw it last night. And both times Giannis was hot potato on the ball and was ineffective. My entire Gosh, last night was a regular season game. The, the intensity was the no defense, different. It, this has been – the intensity yeah the intensity throughout most of the bubble games that I've seen it's, that it's been incredible. are playoff games it's part of why this is so much fun that Celtics Blazers game was a playoff game yeah the like Rockets Bucks game was a playoff game Clippers Lakers was a playoff game and in the first three quarters teams are playing themselves back into shape and in the fourth quarter they're playing playoff level basketball that's kind of how okay we're just gonna have to disagree agree to disagree yeah. Because it's just – that's how it works in every regular season game. If not these are really. more intense, it's only because it's later in the year. Not be, – like, it's it, – what do you mean not really? Do you watch – like, do you, did you watch the Bucks play this year? Yeah, the fourth quarter of a regular season basketball game is nothing close to the fourth quarter last night in terms of defensive intensity. Yeah, I think we can move on from this argument because I don't think anyone's going to convince anyone. But I do agree with Josh that the intensity has been different. Um, but. I think another big thing is I've already switched in my mind so many times over Clippers-Lakers this weekend. Yeah. I mean, um, I'm worried about the Lakers' other options. I think I mean, like, it was showed, Clippers. especially in the Clippers-Lakers game, not having – or not the Clippers-Lakers. Uh, who did the Lakers play most Lakers recently? Lakers-Raptors. 
Yeah, just the lack of guard play and the talent at the guard position defensively killed them, in my opinion. I think the biggest thing was the Raptors' defense. And the Raptors' bigs and their wings are very good defenders, and then their guards are amazing shot creators. So I think that game was more so just how good the Raptors are. and not They're also good. incredibly coached. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they're Nick Nurse really is great. Great players and great defenders. I think that game was more so about how the Raptors are great and not how the Lakers were missing out on Rondo and Bradley. Yeah, I haven't really been going back and forth. The bottom line when you're just looking at Lakers-Clippers is that the defensive guard play is not as important as it would be in a series where they even play like the Trailblazers. Like it's the reason why I think if the Trailblazers get in, they're a big problem for the Lakers. But when you look at like the Clippers – I actually like. I, I really feel like the Lakers are the better team. I, I in the regular season I went back and forth, but it, there was no answer for Anthony Davis. If LeBron can just figure out that even in the last five minutes of a game there will be no answer for Anthony Davis, then I don't see any reason why the Lakers shouldn't win. Yeah, I mean, I think at the end of the day, that's the X factor because out of curiosity, I looked up LeBron's stats in the games throughout the Clippers this year. And that game was not an aberration. This year against the Clippers, he's averaging 21.2 points on 37% from the field, 20% from three, and he's only getting to the line three times a game. And that's because the Clippers have the best pair of wing defenders maybe that we've ever seen in the NBA with the exception of Jordan and Pippen. Um, And like Kawhi and Paul George are a real issue for him. The question is where they have an answer for Anthony Davis. But the other question is, whether the lack of having Lou Williams and Montrez Harrell offensively inhibited the Clippers' ability to just outscore the Lakers. Because if the Clippers play the Lakers, um, I think we've seen throughout the year that LeBron's mentality going in is more distributive. So he's going to look to score, but he's not going to be really as forceful of a scoring option, and the Clippers might just have more options, which is sort of what's convincing me in favor of the Clippers. Um, also, I, I did like what I saw from Joakim Noah. Yeah, Joakim Noah was good. I he, thought Zubach was terrible. Well, Joakim Noah showed hustle. He got boards, and he facilitated the ball really well. Yeah, he did all the Joakim Noah shit, just not as well as he used to. Yeah, I mean, obviously. I think what you were talking about earlier with Montrez Harrell and Lou Williams, especially Lou Williams and how the Lakers are going to stop him, I think that's the one area where they're missing Rondo and Bradley. Not that that's going to define a series. Like, if Rondo and Bradley were back, I don't think that would switch whether they're going to win or lose. But I think guarding those guards who can who are great shot creators, such as, like, Shamit's a great three-point shooter, and then you have Lou Williams, who's one of the best shot creators in the league, I think that's where the Lakers are really going to struggle with missing Rondo and Bradley. So yeah. I actually really like – I really like the idea of Danny Green and Caruso as, as like, defenders. And I think that Lou Williams is – I think that they're going to have more issue guarding the Van Vliet type than the Lou Williams type. And the only – like, when I say that, I mean that Van Vliet is the kind of guy, and, like, Lowry even, who will kind of dribble the ball around more than a Lou Williams. Like, Lou Williams moves without the ball. And I think Danny Green and even Caruso have that motor to stay with it. I, I genuinely am slightly concerned about the Lakers playing the Trailblazers. Like, I feel like that's a serious topic because I don't see who's guarding Dane. That's yeah, I think that series goes to six or seven. I think the Lakers will win it just because – They're just by far a better team. But yeah. it's like – that's like – I've been talking about how, like, the Sixers and Celtics shouldn't have to play in the first round because that's like a second or third round series. Well, it's the same thing with the Lakers and Trailblazers. But the only difference is the Lakers work to get the one seed and still end up in this situation. Well, right now, I'd much rather be the Clippers 
than the Lakers, just in terms of, I think both in matchup wise, um, right now where let's just say things go chalk in the playoffs. Right now, the Clippers' map first two rounds would be Nuggets, um, or it would be Mavericks Nuggets. For the Lakers, if things were to go chalk, it would be Blazers Rockets, um, which is an issue for the Lakers. And the other thing is, we were even saying this at the time when there was like the day or two when it seemed like basketball would just be played without fans, which is the Clippers would have had to play seven road games in the Western Conference Finals against the Lakers. And they don't have to do that now, which is a big advantage for them. Um, but yeah, I think, I think just the one thing that I felt is that I felt the absence of Lou Williams and Montrezl Harrell more than I did Avery Bradley and Rajon Rondo. Well, they were, they were bigger parts, definitely offensively. Yeah. And I think one thing is that the JR thing isn't going to work out just because I think what's clear is that JR needs to be on the floor with LeBron just because he's sort of the perfect player to pair with LeBron, but there's not much else he can do. And when he's standing there with the bench unit, he's not really able to be used effectively. Um, but Waiters Island, I think, is going to give them some good moments. Waiters has so been playing really well. Waiters yeah. has been playing really well. I think Kuzma is also – hasn't surprised me, but his defense has well, – Somebody explain to me why Kuzma's not in the game at the end, at least offensively. I didn't like he was he was ball stopping a little bit. Still, like it's just the kind of thing where let's say LeBron and Anthony Davis get stopped, you need a guy who you pass to with five seconds and he gives you a chance to make a shot. Yeah, I'd yeah. put him in if I were coaching that game. Who they have? Like, and it's also especially in, especially when it gets down to like I know this is more prominent in college, but especially when it gets down to like the offense and defense, like timeouts everywhere kind of thing. I just don't see the point of not having him in offensively. I mean, yeah. he played well defensively. Yeah, I right. But think, I still think that you wouldn't want you wouldn't I mean, want him just intensity wise. Like, I think in my opinion. I yeah. think Caruso is an X factor for him for them because we make all the jokes, but he's actually a really valuable player. And like, that's what I'm saying. He's the motor. Yeah. Like, he's just a hustle guy. He does a lot of stuff that doesn't show up on the box score. I I saw this stat the other day that he's top ten in the NBA in both deflections and loose balls come up with for 36 minutes. Which like is a isn't stuff that you're gonna see show up in the box score after a game, but it's just stuff that he does for them. There were even a couple plays where just they were at the end of the shot clock and he made a good cut to the hoop. Um, I think he's gonna be an NX factor for them and does a lot of good stuff for them. I think the big thing with the Clippers is this was really the first time this year that I saw him give a shit for two straight games, which I think was the was the biggest thing with them all year, which is. It sort of felt like they were sleepwalking through the year and we were waiting for them to turn it on. And the level of intensity those past two games was really something that I hadn't seen other than their games against the Lakers and Celtics. Yeah, that was understandable. I mean, now they have Kawhi playing every game and PG playing every game too. And then they're going to get their bench players back. Yeah, and Paul George has been great. Yeah, well, didn't he have like five? Oh, he was awesome. Yeah. He was on fire. Yeah, and he, I mean, he was banged up throughout the regular season. Um, and both offense – listen, they have – they might have the two best wing two-way players in the NBA. Um, yeah. And it, it's just going to be hard to deal with. I mean – Depends what you categorize Giannis as. 
I mean, right. He's an all-around thing. He, he's not a wing player. Whatever you right, play. I know what you mean. Like, he's, like, it's not like he's – I know what you mean. Yeah. yeah. He's not that forward. Like, he's a forward, but he's not a wing. Yeah. Right. Whatever you categorize him, he's not a wing guy. Um, and I think, like, it's going to be an issue. I think there's a chance that Lakers-Clippers is the first time – that series will be the first time, really, that we ever see LeBron – and I think it would be smart for him to say that Anthony Davis has to take over the series. Because the reality is the reality is they don't have an answer for Anthony Davis. Because I think that was actually the biggest thing in favor of the Lakers, which is I really didn't feel like Anthony Davis played that well. But he still wound up with like 34 and 17. Where he was 8 of 19 from the field, but he kept getting to the line because down low he got hacked. But he wasn't really knocking down his 15-foot face-up shot. And when he's knocking that down, he could easily score 50 on any given night against the Clippers. KP, what are your thoughts? Um, so I was kind of quickly doing some research aside while you guys were talking about this because I didn't have too many thoughts, honestly, because those are the games that I haven't caught, the Clippers and the Lakers, really, aside from the opening game. Mm-hmm. So what I more wanted to mention is something that I've talked about many times on this podcast and something that's like important is the wrong word, but something that's like kind of big to me is Joel Embiid and the fact that he's finally playing some bully ball, which they did end up losing uh, the game. What was the final score? I think it was 127 to 123. But in the game against uh, Indiana, what was it? Like two days ago? Yeah, a couple up, nights ago. He put up something like, I want to say... It was a 40-20, right? Yeah, yeah I think it was 40, 40 points. 41-21? Oh, I thought it was 40-24. By the way, way. Like, Joel Embiid, the fact that... like, I know they lost, but Josh, you've texted in our group chat before that those 53 points from TJ Warren were pretty fluky. Like, that, that that's not going to happen every game. Yeah. So, to see... Right, I wanted to address the issue with that is I completely agree it's fluky. does not change the fact that now they're probably going to have to play the Celtics in the first round. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and, this, like this wasn't – it wasn't a discouraging loss, but it was a terrible loss, if that makes any sense. Yeah. And I think one thing is it does show the difference in coaching. Because... Yo, were you disappointed? I got to ask. Sorry to interrupt you, Josh. Was I disappointed? Yeah. I mean, there's no way you want to see the, the Sixers and not the Pacers. I'd hate to play the Sixers in the first round. So were you were you pulling for the Sixers? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd rather obviously I'd rather put the Pacers, and I think we could also beat the Sixers, but just from a right. Point. It's just unfortunate that you should have gotten to play the Heat or the Pacers, and now you're probably gonna have to play the Sixers, which means the Celtics path to the finals now is Sixers, Raptors, Bucks potentially, which is just yeah. And not to mention that if you do get to the finals, then the Lakers or Clippers is like that's that's. That's just daunting. Yeah. I mean, I I think the one thing with the Sixers is TJ Warren will not score 53 points again. Their defense was also very bad, especially for the Sixers. I mean, I think it shows the difference in coaching and how important that is. Because if you just compare them to the Raptors, the Sixers looked like a preseason team, basically still learning to communicate with each other on switches defensively. Whereas the Raptors look like they haven't missed a beat. And it just shows the difference in preparing a team in the situation between Nick Nurse and Brett Brown. Are we surprised? Yeah, and I'm confident. We are? Oh, no, I'm <laughs> saying I'm not surprised. <laughs> oh, okay. I, I was agreeing with you with assuming that that was a rhetorical Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but 
I think they'll figure things out defensively. We even did see in the last minute just how their length overwhelms teams. I mean, they forced a couple turnovers in the backcourt. Um, but I think the TJ Warren thing was fluky. I think with Embiid, I hope they keep doing it because the Pacers didn't have Sabonis. And there comes a point where you literally have to be hit in the head with a baseball bat not to play bully ball in that game. I think the question with the Sixers remains when it's not whether they're willing to let Embiid get 41 and 21 against the team without Sabonis. It's whether they're going to let him get 27 and 12 every night against Daniel Tice. Um, And I think that's the thing that's remained to be seen where I don't want to take too many things away from one game. Yeah. Um, Well, also one thing. Go ahead. Sorry. sorry. Uh, Just quick thing that is worth taking away from one game is the fact that the Pacers without Sabonis defensively, as far as big men go, are just screwed. Like, they weren't going to do well in the playoffs either way, but this just put them in, in in an even worse situation. Like, there wasn't the idea that Sabonis-Turner could be a great uh, backcourt, I mean, frontcourt duo, but that just never turned out. And Miles Turner hasn't panned out to the player that people thought he could be. And it's just it showed during that game. But sorry, am I the only person who kind of feels like I kind of liked what I saw from the Pacers, considering they didn't have Sabonis? I like game, so I'm not sure. I like, think it's they, hard they, to say because TJ Warren scored 53 points. I understand, but aside from the TJ Warren thing, Miles Turner offensively was actually playing pretty well. He was boxing out and beat enough, but like and beat just too long. But like, let's yeah. say now they they get to play the Heat in the first round. I'd still easily pick the Heat, but I feel like that's a matchup where they don't miss the bonus as much as they would, at least defensively, um, just because oh. Adebayo's 6'10 on a good day, yeah, and Miles I, Turner can probably out-rebound him. Adebayo isn't really a huge post-up guy. Yeah, right. I loved yeah. what I saw. I loved what I saw from the Heat, actually, because well, – I, I, yeah. Sorry, Josh, I'll let you go. I just well, – I'm happy to hear you say that. about it in terms of this was basically an off-season – Basically, what it seemed like to me during during this offseason is that Adebayo took another step up. Yes, he did. He yes, was incredible. He and I, I think he could be a legitimate answer for Giannis. He has been, though, is the thing. The Heat are 2-0 against the Bucks, and they limited Giannis to an extent throughout those games. Like, it's yeah. something that isn't talked about is Bam Adebayo defensively on both big men, and he can hold his own against – I wouldn't say the best of the guards in the league, but he's still quick enough that he can, to an extent, hold his own. And it was just – it was great to watch. It was concerning in the first half because they went to – I don't remember the exact score going in the halftime, but it was a close game. Duncan Robinson offensively wasn't able to get open for threes and whatnot. It was uh, – I can't do math right now, but it was, a, it was a shaky first half. But then in the second quarter uh, – second half, they just – played so well and it was just great to watch uh sorry i didn't mean to cut you off josh i just i like when you guys actually talk about the heat in a good way makes me happy yeah i mean i think they can take the bucks to seven um i I just think defensively i really liked what i saw from them and eric spolster is a great coach i think i don't think they can beat them just because I, I think Sammy and I are a broken record on this, that we don't like Jimmy Butler as a number one scoring option at the end of a playoff game. Yeah, I agree. Um, I just don't like Jimmy Butler. But I think I really like what I saw from them. I really like what I saw from them defensively. And 
it, it's just with the Nuggets from, we saw from that game. I think we can take that game a grain of salt with a grain of salt because they were missing. The problem is not that they lost that game because they were missing Jamal Murray, Gary Harris, and Will Barton. So they were basically missing their second, third, and fourth options. The problem is that Jamal Murray they were missing all their guards. and Will Barton are their second, third, and fourth options. Well, no, they were missing all their guards, but it's like the, the Nuggets like draft so well that they have all these options, and like they're the kind of team but where they're they not using need. them. I don't understand what they're doing with Michael Porter Jr. Like whenever he plays, he's giving them good minutes, but I feel like he's not on the floor enough. I mean, I think it's just still kind of a minutes restrictions thing, and like I understand that that shouldn't be the case, but we don't know about his injuries, and like I he gotta give a, a little bit of. Sorry, Sammy. You gotta look. You gotta give a little bit of credit to the Nuggets organization for making Michael Porter Jr. seem like he was the Michael Porter Jr. we were supposed to see, even if it's in a limited time. And even if that means that this year he's not playing that much in the playoffs, if he ends up being the player that he can be, then it will be worth it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, it's just for me with them. Because it's not like we expected the Bucks to make the conference finals this year. Yeah. It's you mean the just, Nuggets? Yeah. You said the Bucks. Okay. Um, but, yeah, I think – I think I just don't see unless the only way I see them winning in the first round is if they get match up with the Jazz. You don't think the Thunder? You like? The I think Thunder the Thunder are them? better than them. The Thunder look great. Close. Yeah, no, I think it's close. I mean, I really um, liked what I've seen from the know. Thunder. Like, I liked them all year. What role does Jokic play against the Rockets? You know what I mean? Especially defensively. Like, well, how much can I he think, really be out there? Yeah, I mean, I think. I think what we saw with the Rockets is that they don't necessarily care that they're going to get out-rebounded. Right, because they're going to make threes. Yeah, um, and I think – I mean, I think with the Thunder, I think the best way to describe them is Bill Simmons described them as just a professional basketball team. And, like, that's just what they are. Um, it's just a fun team to watch. Chris Paul, even though athletically he isn't where he used to be, he's in complete control of that offense – and it's really fun to watch. Um, and I think I think there I think there's a good chance they get by the first round depending on who depending are they on who currently played. matched up uh, to play against. Right now I think they're matched up with the Rockets, which they would lose. Um, but yep. Thunder Rockets, the storylines would be great. Right now they're matched up with the Nuggets. Oh, are they did they move down to the six? Yeah, they're at the six. Oh. They're, they're a half game out. And they have played one less. It's all bunched up. It's hard to even say, let's look at who they're against right now. Yeah. Well, it was funny. It was weird. I just forgot that I was supposed to be checking standings because I just had a concept of how the standings have existed in my head for four and a half months. (laughs) And then, so it was just like, I was listening to a podcast this morning and it was like, yeah, Houston's the four. And I was like, what? They're the six. And I suddenly yeah. realized, oh, yeah, standings are changing. I have to go back and check them. Yeah, I mean, it's that's really game funny. Game. That's happened to me too, Josh. It's a half game difference between the four and the six. Yeah. yeah. No, it's like if it was a regular, regular season, we'd still be checking every day. Yeah, oh, it's yeah. just so funny how we've like had such, just because that's all there was, we've had such a rigid definition of the seeds yeah. in our yeah. head. For that is very funny. Months. Talking about seeding and people moving up, San Antonio has now jumped into the ninth spot for... It's getting ridiculous. I can't believe this is happening. Are they going to keep the streak up? He's going to do it. I, I really can't believe it. I mean, listen, they got 
somewhat lucky to escape that Grizzlies game. I mean, that was somewhat. And but would you be surprised if they got somewhat lucky to make the playoffs? Like, it's yeah, I mean, I, that was terrible defense by Dylan Brooks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but Demar has been doing that his whole career. Right, terrible defense, but that's just Demar. It was a vintage Demar Derozan play, but it's like, are you really gonna bite on a Demar Derozan pump fake from twenty feet out? I mean, you shouldn't have done it. It was terrible defense, but it's just what Demar. What Demar does. does. Yeah, I'll say Grayson Allen had a great game. Josh, you you had to bring up Duke. Duke guys have been showing up. Grayson Allen and Gary Trent have been playing a lot of good. Brandon matches. Ingram, Josh. Yeah, but we knew about. He reached Brandon. another level. No, he reached another level. Like you were talking about Adebayo. Same thing with Ingram during his offseason. In my opinion, both of them deserve to win Most Improved Player. Like, is that allowed? Can there be a co-Most Improved? No. No, but I, I have something on that, but I'll save that for another time because we don't have a time time left. But as much as I want Bam to win Most Improved, I feel like it should be Brandon Ingram. Just I, be- I just I think either is fine, and – I really think it should be Co. I don't know how they can make that happen. Well, let me – I also just want to point out with Gary Trent as sort of a greater point. I think this is the best Blazers team that we've ever seen. So frustrating. Gary Trent was so good. He's – because if you think about it, if you look at the players surrounding Dame last year, they're guys you can shoot threes, but it's not necessarily spot-up shooters, right? Basically, their guys on the wing were Mo Harkless and Al Farouk Aminu. Yeah. Now, you know Al Farouk's name means the king has arrived? Yes. Mm. Interesting. Little 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 Al Farouk fun fact brought to you by Geico. Yeah. But Gary Trent is really a perfect player to surround them with because he's really just a spot-up shooter. The guy's money. Also, um, Nurkic Mello, has looked amazing. Melo's been giving him good minutes. And then Nurkic, I don't know what HGH they put in him during that recovery, but he's Josh, he was good before. You, yeah, this remembers. is the best Nurkic I've ever seen. You no, I understand, but he was up. really good before. Like Nurkic is a great player. I, oh, I, I know. He was I another five by five. I, I just love what I've seen from them. I really think they're a top four team in the West. All right. Well, unless anybody else has anything to add, I think that's a good place to wrap up. Mind if I say one thing, Sammy? If it's about the Heat, no. If not, yes. Yeah, it's not about the Heat. Uh, actually, All quick right, go ahead. Heat thing. Kelly Olynyk oh. scored twenty points in the fourth quarter. Uh, I'm four for four, three-point shooting. But uh, what I actually want to say is just a reminder to check out the floater pod on both Instagram. I actually have one thing. Oh, my God. Josh. It's just a quick thing. Go ahead. Well, you were signing us off. Um, Okay, go. I I just want to say we shouldn't shouldn't talk about them too much because they're not going to make the playoffs and they're a big thing for the future. But I do think it's kind of funny that the NBA set this whole thing up for the Pelicans to make the playoffs. And they're, and they're not going to. Nope, we're not doing it. <laughs> okay, Josh. AJ Reddick's streak is over. Before I got interrupted, a reminder, check out the Floater Pod on both Instagram and Twitter, as well as floaterpod.com. If I can just, if I can just. <laughs> no, go Sorry, ahead. was that Josh? I, I couldn't tell. Must have been. Had to have been. Okay, sounds good. As well as, uh, final thing is, go back, listen to some old episodes. If you got the time, you know. Anyways, Sammy, bring us home. All right. Well, on that note, on uh, behalf of Aaron Kirkpatrick, Josh Eagle, Yoni Bruce, I'm Sammy Schulman reminding you to stay loyal.